0: David or King Solomon. So things in the land were pretty good, but the problem was that people's hearts weren't good. People's hearts had turned away from God, and so God sent his prophets in to tell the people the obvious news that we hear. If things aren't right, turn back to God. If your heart's not right, turn your heart back to God. And so Jonah goes in to do this thing. Now, now, we get this very interesting uh, dynamic that takes place. Jonah also prophesies at times of other prophets. Now, when Jonah went to the king, he prophesied really good news for his own people and for his own king, while other prophets didn't necessarily prophesy good things for King Jeroboam. So, we go into the book of Jonah, It's sh- four short chapters, already questioning Jonah's integrity. Okay, is this Jonah prophet guy really a good guy? I don't know. But this is what I do know. God used him anyways, and God called him. God called Jonah and said, I have a very specific job for you. He said, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh, and I want you to proclaim to them that if they don't repent, I'm going to destroy them. That's what I, I want you to go. I want you to go and speak to the people of Nineveh. And Jonah thought, yeah, that's a great idea. I'll do that. Let me, let me hop on the first camel. Let me make my way over across the desert. Let me get to Nineveh, and I'll get there, and I'll do exactly what God says. Nope. Not what Jonah did. Jonah instead decided that he was going to run away from God. How many of you have ever played flashlight tag? kids have you guys ever played flashlight tag oh <gasps> parents <laughs> we've got to get our kids playing flashlight tag so there was um there was this game of flashlight tag that i was playing when i was a kid and i i played with all the kids in my neighborhood and so we'd take flashlights out and it's kind of like hide and seek have you played hide and seek before sawyer yeah have you played hide and seek before victoria yeah And so it's kind of like hide and seek. And so we take our flashlights out and people would hide. And if you were it, you had to go and find them. And so they'd take their flashlights out in the dark and they'd they'd try to find you. And I, I remember my favorite place to hide was under my neighbor's back deck. Her name was Pearl. And she had this great little house and this perfect little deck. And I could hide right behind her garbage can because apparently I didn't have a good sense of smell then. And I thought nobody would ever find me. And so I I went in and I hid under Pearl's deck behind the trash can, and I waited. And I waited. And I was kind of nervous. You know, like when you're hiding, because you're you're thinking, oh no, are they going to find me first? Are they going to find me last? Am I going to get to be it next? And you wait, and you wait. And sometimes in those moments, when you finally are found, well, I'll tell you what happened to me my friend Nicholas found me. And I felt a handful of emotions at the time. One, I was kind of angry. Like I was mad that he had found me already because my hiding space was the best. I was, it was kind of sad because I'd, I'd been found. And I had had all this energy that had been built up, so when he found me, and I was kind of upset and I was kind of excited, and I didn't know quite what to do, I looked at Nicholas and I punched him right in the nose. <laughs> and it started bleeding. <laughs> and Nicholas ran to his grandmother's house, and I hid in my own house, because I did not want to be found out found out, because I responded poorly to the game that I was playing. Jonah was a prophet. It was his calling. It's what he was supposed to be doing. But when God called him to do something he didn't want to do, he was kind of scared, and he was nervous, and he was angry, and he felt upset. And so Jonah sucker-punched the Lord right in the nose. Now, he didn't physically punch God, but what he did was he said, No, I'm not going to do what you tell me to, God. I'm going to run the other direction. And so he hops a boat that is not headed to Nineveh. Instead, he he hops a boat in Joppa that is headed to the city of Tarshish. Okay, I want you to look at your neighbor real quick and I want you to say, Tarshish, three times fast. (laughs) Good, and now you'll never forget it. And And this boat full of the pirates who don't do anything um, if you've ever watched the VeggieTales version of Jonah, you know what I'm talking about. This, this ship full of foreigners that were not, the, were not the Israelites, they weren't the people of God. Jonah gets on this boat and he hides. He hides. He's on a secret journey away from what God wants him to do because he doesn't want to do it. And so as Jonah gets on the boat all of a sudden God sends this great big storm that happens and all the guys on the boat are going, "Oh my goodness, this storm is so big and it must have been bigger than any storm they'd seen because they started going, "Somebody must have done something wrong." Like, "God has sent this storm. Who who has who's done something wrong?" And Jonah finally confesses. He says, "Give us me, guys." Actually what they did is they threw dice. They threw lots. And they landed on Jonah. So Jonah, out of the luck of the draw, ends up being the guy that's in trouble. And he was already in trouble. And, and so, so they look at Jonah. And Jonah goes, I've got the best solution ever. The most selfish solution that Jonah could ever possibly think of. Just throw me overboard. Because then, guess what? God's mad at me and sent the storm. But now if you throw me overboard, I'll die. And I still don't have to do what God tells me to do. Super selfish move on Jonah's part. And, and so Jonah is riding this boat, and the guys are like, no, we'll just, we're just going to work harder and faster in the sails, and we're, we're going to make sure that this boat gets where it needs to go so we're safe. And Jonah's like, it's not going to work. Good luck. And so finally, these guys from the boat hurl Jonah overboard. This very interesting thing happens. They hurl Jonah overboard, but everybody on the boat, guess what they do? They start worshiping Jonah's God because the sea becomes calm. And all of a sudden, all of these guys on this boat who didn't know God before came to know the Lord. Like God works through Jonah in really weird ways. And God wasn't going to let Jonah out of this thing. And so he sends a great big fish to swallow Jonah whole. And he lives inside that fish. Do you guys know how long? Do any of our kids know how long he lived in that fish? How long did he you live? You're not a kid. <laughs> how long do you live in the fish, Hattie? Oh, that's really close. You got the three part right. <laughs> three days, right. Three days he lives in the belly of this fish or in its mouth. I don't know. Like he lives inside this fish for three days. And during that time, he seeks the Lord and he prays. But even then, Jonah's prayers are pretty selfish, He's praying pretty selfish prayers. So the fish spits Jonah out. Can you imagine what he smelled like? Can you make a face that shows me what you think Jonah smelled like whenever he got out of the way? Yeah, that's a good one, Nevaeh. The adults look like they're just doing nothing. You guys look like you're, <laughs> you can't make a face. that. Sh- what do you think he smelled like? Yeah, we've got a handful there. That, that was pretty good. You guys need to, adults, you need to work on your facial expressions. Um, it helps you to show your emotions well. Um, And so Jonah Jonah is stinking it up, he's out of this fish, and he finally agrees that he will go. Fine then, whatever. If you say so, God, I will go to these terrible people of Nineveh. Now, Jonah, in his heart, knew that, well, He knew that the people of Nineveh were not great people. They weren't the people that God had chosen. All the good things should be for the people that God had chosen, and everybody else should be condemned or should be destroyed. That's what he's hoping for. And so he goes into Nineveh, and he preaches one of the worst, shortest sermons of all times. Jonah has no desire to see these people turn to God, and so he goes in and tells them, repent, repent or you will die. Repent, or you will die. Officially in Scripture, translated into English, it's six words that Jonah says. In the original Hebrew, it's only five. Five words. He goes to the people of Nineveh and says five words. And then he sits back and he waits. He sits back and waits waits for what's going to happen next. And guess what the people of Nineveh do? They take these five words and they repent. And it's funny, like there's great satire in the book of Jonah. It's it's phenomenal. So you read the book of Jonah and, and they're like, the king repented and the cows repented and the horse, everybody repented. The people and the animals, everybody turned to God. And Noah was so happy not at all. Noah's not, or Jonah's not happy at all. Noah's not happy either. He's dead. Jonah is not happy at all. <laughs> and so, <laughs> Jonah, Jonah goes up on a hillside. He goes up on this perfect mountain spot. How many of you have ever been to the mountains before? You've been to the oh yeah, yeah especially our teens who went to NYC this year and you went to the, and like you can overlook and it's beautiful, all the things that you can see from the right view. And Jonah picked the right viewpoint. And he sits there on the edge of the mountain and he sits with arms crossed in the hot sun and he waits. What do you think he's waiting for? Oh, yeah, he's waiting for, like, fireballs to come flying out of the sky. He can't wait to get the best viewpoint to watch Nineveh be wiped out because the people are finally going to get exactly what they deserve. And he waits, and he waits, and it gets hot, and God sends this little plant, or maybe it was a big plant, to cover up Jonah from the sun, to protect him. And and then God does this really unique thing. He uses an object lesson. I love object lessons. It's kind of like Jesus telling parables. He he does it all throughout the Old Testament. Next week we're in Hosea, and we're going to talk a lot about how God used his life As a comparison to the people of Israel. And so Jonah sat there in his little shelter with this fantastic leafy tree, leafy plant that God had put over him to shelter him. But then the next day we read it in the passage. What happens? He sends a worm. A worm, it literally is in the Bible, people. God put worms in our Bible. I, I think that's fantastic. He sent this little tiny worm god of all creation to chew up the end of this plant the stem so that it would die and then jonah dramatic jonah goes off the deep end oh if you would just kill me now lord it would be better than being here on this hilltop with the hot sun and the wind and all of those things i would just rather be gone Now, there's a lot of places that the story of Jonah could go. Like, we could talk about how very important it is to listen when God speaks to us. Because he does. God talks to us, and it's important that we listen. Or we may end up in a fish. We could talk about how important it is to be obedient. Obedience is important, too. It's important to be obedient to our our parents and to be obedient to to the people that have uh, leadership over us. We could talk about how amazing God is that he would save the Ninevites from destruction. But today, the story of Jonah points me in a very interesting direction. You see, I think we could all put ourselves in the place of Jonah. In Jonah chapter 4, verse 2, a little bit before the passage we just read, Jonah says to the Lord, he complains to the Lord, about all the things that are taking place, about the fact that the people are being saved. He said, didn't I say it before I left home that you would do this, Lord? What? Hold on, Jonah, wait a minute. So you knew all along what God was going to do? Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God. That you're slow to get angry, and you're filled with unfailing love. That you're eager to turn back from destroying your people. Jonah, that is the worst excuse on the planet. I don't want to follow God, because God is going to be merciful. All right, I want you to turn to your neighbor again here for just a second. I'm sorry Ryan, can you put that right back up for me? I'm having trouble with my earpiece today. I want you to look at your neighbor. No one's looking at their neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Don't be grouchy. It's fine. Don't be a Jonah. Come on. Look at your neighbor. Be happy about it. I want you to I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to say this. God is merciful, God is merciful. And, compassionate. and compassionate. Slow to get angry. And filled with unfailing love. That is for you, Jonah. Actually, it's for all of us. You see, just like Jonah got mad and upset, Jonah's problem wasn't that he didn't have a great calling. Jonah had a great calling, he had a calling to serve the Lord. It wasn't that Jonah wasn't equipped for his calling, God had equipped him to do the work. The problem was that Jonah was filled with anger and bitterness and hatred for a people that he did not understand. And he allowed that anger and bitterness and hatred to harden his heart against others. And by hardening his heart against others, it hardened his heart against God. Hating his neighbor caused him to hate the Lord. And you say, that's kind of strong words. I think it's true. I think Jonah points us in that exact direction. And the whole book ends with this really weird verse where all God says is, shouldn't I feel sorry for a great city? The end. See you guys later. So why would why would we end the book of Jonah like that? I'll tell you why. Because you get to choose. It's like write your own adventure story. Did anybody do that as a kid? Pick your own adventure story, not write your own. Yeah, pick your own ending. Like you read through the book and like, oh, if you, you know, you can have them go this place or this place. Just turn to that chapter and read through that. And you get to choose your own adventure. You get to choose here. We know as a people of God that God is compassionate and God is merciful and God is slow to get angry and He's rich in unfailing love. And if that ticks you off because you're really upset with someone or a group of people right now, then your heart is not being formed in the love of Christ. It's just not. But we have a chance today to end Jonah's story well. We have a chance to choose an adventure that doesn't end up with a hardened heart against God. And so today, people of T.C. Naz, what will you choose? Will you choose to live in bitterness and anger and rage against people that have done injustice to you? People that you don't understand, people that you, quite frankly, just don't like? Or will you choose to accept the compassion and mercy of our God and be willing to, like Christ and like the nature of God, forgive and allow the healing power of God to come in and change your life. You get to pick. I'd like to invite our kids up this morning. If you guys wouldn't mind, you can kind of sit here in the front row or just sit right there on the floor. And I any of our kiddos this morning? Yeah, you can sit sit right over here by these chairs. I'm gonna come over and chat with you for just a second, all right? Yeah. You guys are doing you guys are doing great. You're doing great. Oh yeah, you're almost there. Hey bud, come on over. Hey, Linda. So I I wanna ask you guys this morning, is there is there anybody that you've had a hard time forgiving lately? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah?
1: Good. Uh-huh. Every time we yeah? go
0: to restaurants, we have to share. Oh, and sometimes that's hard, isn't it? Yeah, I guess what? But here's the thing. Uh, God does this great thing. When we forgive other people, he heals something inside of our hearts. He works in us. And guess what? What happens, Cody, whenever you forgive your friend for for being upset with one another, for whatever he does? Whenever you forgive him, do you feel better? Yeah, Yeah, you feel so much better because forgiveness does that. Forgiveness works in our hearts and helps us to love other people better. Hold on just a second. And so today we're going to do something very special, and I'm not going to serve this to you just yet. I'm just going to show you, okay? Yeah, it is orange. So the Bible tells us that when Jesus was about to go die on the cross, that he sat down with his best friends. One of his best friends was getting ready to betray him. Jesus died because one of his best friends turned his back on him and betrayed him. And it didn't matter. Jesus knew it was going to happen. And Jesus sat down with him and said, I want you to take some bread and you guys aren't going to do this quite yet, but I want you to take this bread and I want you to eat it. And this is what I want you to do. Every time you all sit together at the table and hang out, and every time you eat this bread together, I want you to remember, I want you to remember as brothers and sisters in Christ, as friends who forgive each other, that this is my body and it was broken for you. And in the same way, take this wine or juice ours is just grape juice i want you to take this and yeah and you're going to drink this together you're going to drink this juice together and when you drink this juice together your hearts are going to be unified you guys are going to be like a team an awesome team that can all work together if you do it if you do it with the right heart And uh, what does that mean? What does it mean to have the right heart? It means that we are willing to do what? You've got it. You said it earlier. We're willing to love God, but what do we do for each other? And when somebody somebody upsets us, what do we do? We forgive them. That's right. So you guys can go back with your moms and dads because you're going to have an opportunity. If you can say today that you love Jesus with your heart, In the Church of the Nazarene, we celebrate an open table. And so you are more than welcome to come and partake with us. For the rest of you today, the message is the same. Aren't we going to do the kids today? No, not today. We're just hanging out together. As adults, we come to this table with the same mindset. That if we come here with unforgiveness in our hearts with disunity, then we're coming to the table with the wrong mindset. And so we're going to take a minute and pray, and I just ask you to seek the Lord today. If there is bitterness or unforgiveness in your heart, I just ask that you seek and that you surrender that to him. And maybe you don't maybe you're living a life where none of that has crept in and you're not struggling with any of that, I ask that you just pray the simple portion of the Lord's Prayer. God, forgive me of my sins just as I forgive those who've sinned against me. Heavenly Father, as we come today, to celebrate communion together, to celebrate the Eucharist at your table. God, I pray that you will work in our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, if there are any of us that are, are, are living kind of like Jonah, we've allowed jealousy, anger, frustration, and unforgiveness to creep into our hearts and lives. Lord, will you help to soften up and knead our hearts today so that we can give that to you fully, that we can embrace that you aren't just a compassionate, merciful, quick-to-forgive God for me, but you are that same God for everyone else on this planet. God, we pray today for these elements, that as we take them, that they will become a part of who we are, that they will give us life and nutrients for our body, that they will remind us all throughout today and in the coming days that you, O Christ, are part of us. And that we are a part of your church. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in your name today. Amen. The worship team is going to sing for us. And if our, our, uh, those who are, are giving the elements today would come forward. But as you come, you're going to hear the words, the body of Christ that is broken for you. And you can take a cracker. Um, And then you're going to hear the words, the blood of Christ that has been shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And you can dip that into the cup and partake of it. If you would like to respond, you can say thanks be to God or any other way that you feel the need to respond. I also want you to know this morning that our altars are open. And so if you have been struggling with anything that we've discussed today, there's a place where you can come and pray and give that to the Lord. And guess what? He's merciful and compassionate. He's slow to get angry, he's filled with unfailing love, and he's ready to minister to you today, right where you are. Come. People of God, if you'll stand with me today for the benediction. Good day in the house of the Lord. Good day to be together, to be worshiping him. People of T.C. Naz, as you go from this place, don't be a Jonah. Oh, embrace the fullness of our God, who is compassionate, who is merciful, who is full of love, who is quick to forgive. May his unfailing love go with you today. Amen.